Scott. Yo. Is this is this where the right like the right studio? Is this where where Russell records? I guess this was the address he gave us. It looks kind of dingy. Hey guys, guys. Hey. 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 Hold on. Oh man, man. Sorry, I was just down in the steam room. It's awesome down there. Steam room? There's a steam room. Steam room. Yeah, steam room. Yeah, man. It's got all these pipes and everything, and steam coming up or blowing around. Nice and hot. Was it, was it like a really, really big metal thing that was making all the, the heat? Yeah, yeah. Bill, yeah, like heaps up. Heat, that's the boiler Heats room, up the whole room. Boiler room. Oh. Well, what's it boiling? Eggs? What is it? I don't, I don't get it. Yeah, okay. No. Well, anyway, anyway. <sighs> have you checked out, have you checked out uh, Russell's, um, uh, this cool water fountain he's got? Here, wait. Here. Come on, come on, follow me. Come here, come on, come on, come on, come on. It's over here. Come on. So, all right. So, check Wait, this that, out. Look at this. That sign. Yeah. Okay. Go ahead. Oh, uh, that it says something about banjo. I don't know. There's banjos in here or something. I I don't know what that means. So, check out this fountain. Look at this. Pull the handle. Water comes out. Uh, and it's got no, this no, refreshing no, no, don't, mint. Don't right here in uh, uh, uh. <laughs> Oh, what? That's you don't want to share the mint. That's a urinal, Bill. What mint? Oh, ew! We'll put that back. Urinal. Ew. So no, it's well, yeah, it's it's for you. You're you're. It's a communal thing. Yeah, it's it's for us. It's your urinals. We're urinal for the mint. You don't like the mint? <laughs> That's that is not a mint, Bill. Mmm. Mm. Don't put that. Oh. Ah. Oh, More Mountain Dew, just like Mama used to make. Back to the bin. All right, well, so Russell asked us to host a DC Comics Presents thing. Has, has Russell been doing this long enough to have an assistant editor's month of his very own? <laughs> yeah, well, you know. I thought we. Uh, I just don't double release it anyway. With it, with us on this. I, yeah, that's what I thought too. I thought he was going to be with us. I didn't know we were. <laughs> you know, for, for anybody listening, you know, he asked if we want to be on. We set up the date to do it, and then we texted back. He's like, "Have book, fun! I look forward to hearing it." I'm like, "What?" He said, he said, "I wish I could be there." It's <laughs> it's, like, it's the cleverest way I've ever heard of getting somebody to do your show for you, though. I mean, that really works. I wish I'd thought of it. Sucker! I think you, I think you did. <laughs> like, however many years ago you invited Bill and I on. <laughs> yeah. Wait a second. <laughs> so, we, we, we are covering for Russell DC Comics Presents number 78, Superman and the Forgotten Villains. It's got a cover date of February 1985. The cover mm-hmm. is drawn by... Eduardo Barreto. Eduardo Barreto. Eduardo Barreto? I think, I think what? it's a very nice cover. I like this cover a lot. It is a very nice cover. The story is written by Marv Wolfman, penciled by Kurt Swan, inked by Mike's brother Dave Hunt, 
Uh, colored by Gene D'Angelo, letters by Ben Oda, and edited by Julius Schwartz. Uh, so, did, he, did either of you do a synopsis for this thing? Well, wait. So the letter is Ben Oda. What if he has an I in his middle name? Would it be Ben Iota? <laughs> Never mind. Uh, I could add a rim shot sound effect there. No, don't, don't encourage him. Um, I did not write a synopsis because, now you know, normally I don't take pre-written synopses from, from other places. However, there, there are a few things I respect more than the official uh, indexes that were put out a number of years ago for different uh, DC and Marvel comics. Uh, most of those are extremely well-researched, and, and I like the, the synopses that they have for them and such. So, as it turns out, there's actually a synopsis for this in the official uh, Crisis on Infinite Earths crossover index. So I'm happy to use that one if you guys are okay with that. Sure. Yeah, sure. Okay, so this, uh, this issue, this story in this issue is entitled The Triad, and the synopsis reads as such. The Monitor and Lila, in their last pre-crisis appearance, direct their attention to Earth-3, where the crisis has already begun. Right, but what happens and to the issue? That's it. That's the synopsis. That's the synopsis? That's All right, so, so come back next episode for... Uh... What is it? Uh, episode seven, uh, issue seventy nine of DC Comics presents. I got a synopsis. I got a. I got a synopsis. I got it right, right here. Hold on. Hold on. All no, right, no, 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 no. Phil, I, I, wait, wait, wait. I gotta go to no, my I don't. I gotta be embedded here just shortly. I don't have the time for that. I only have like two hours. I even have hand drawn illustrations. No. Alright, you know what? Sorry. I got a synopsis from the DC Wikipedia. And it, as you said, Scott, the one thing you did get right is the title of the issue is The Triad. The, Enchan <laughs> the Enchantress and Cracklow form a triad with a sorceress being that is in reality a living planet. Can you say ego? And Superman and the Forgotten Heroes... Who Wouldn't that be Mogo in this... this, this it, it, it. Uh, Mogo's the living planet That's in this true. universe. He is the DC living planet. But anyway, Superman and the Forgotten Heroes must stop the triad from controlling the universe. While struggling to overcome the faceless hunter, the immortal man is seemingly killed, saving Dolphin's life. Superman convinces the faceless hunter that he could easily beat him, and has him tell the heroes where they can find the third sorcerer, the Enchantress and Cracklow, need to unite with in order to control the universe. Is it Krakow? It's K-R-A-K-L-O-W, so I'm thinking Krakow. Oh, because I don't see it in the book under his name on the front page. Check, check I don't the see an L. Pa the 45th page of your synopsis. Mm. In, in the Indicia. Wasn't this Vic Tabak's character in a piece of the action on Star Trek? Wasn't he Krakow? <laughs> I, no, think that's, yeah. I think that's what No, see, from. I'm looking on page 12, and she says Krakow. K-R-A-K-O-W. There's no L. The DC Wikipedia has an L in it. Perhaps this issue. 
Perhaps it I could finish wrong. the synopsis. This issue should end with them all playing Fizbin. That's all I'm saying. Right. Fizbin! <sighs> As they are about to leave to find the sorcerer, a child appears and reveals himself to be the new incarnation of the immortal man, reborn following his death. Making the journey to Yardis, the homeworld of the third sorcerer, Superman and the Forgotten Heroes stop off on the world of Quaria to try to think of a way to make the, the journey to Yardis without having to travel past the okay, red Paul, you sun. sound like you're having a fit. Yeah, it's, well, they write it that way, I read it that yeah, way. Oh, he's having a stroke! It's <laughs> the red sun that would rob Superman of his powers and have him burn to a crisp and die a horrible death. The natives of Quaria direct Superman and the heroes to another outworlder like themselves, Space Cabby, who offers to fly them to Yardis. Space Uniting... Cabby, a.k.a. Ernest Borgnine. Yeah, Go ahead. Really. Uniting their powers, the Enchantress and Cracklow, and the Sorcerer and the Sorcered from Yardis. Cracklow, sweet cherry. Oh, I'm sorry. Cause Space Cabby's <laughs> ship to crash land on the surface of a planet with an unstable core. Come on, by, space by lucky coincidence. Oh, sorry, sorry. By Poor lucky Russell, all the listeners are going to be like, "Who are these?" <laughs> anyway, and Russell's going to say they're my kind of. <laughs> Whoa! <laughs> so the natives of Quaria. No, we already read that. By lucky coincidence, Chris KL99 and his crewmates Jiro and Halleck. Live on KL ninety nine. All the hits. Observing all the time. this planet and its imminent destruction, when they hear Space <laughs> Cabby's distress call. Arriving at Yardis, Chris KL ninety nine ship is caught in a huge metal tentacle rising out of the planet, allowing himself to be drawn into the planet by the tentacles. Superman finds himself within the hot core of the world. Hot, Even hot, even as the triad of sorcerers join their powers together and the universe begins to succumb to them, the forgotten heroes follow Superman under the surface of Yardis, and the Atom Master and Mr. Poseidon realize there's no place in Enchantress's domination of the universe for them. Poseidon has Ultivac attack the Enchantress, while the forgotten heroes rescue Superman. Noting that the underworld caverns of Yardis feel like a living membrane, Cave Carson realizes that Yardis is a living planet. The third sorcerer does not live on Yardis. The third sorcerer is Yardis. The irritation Yardis feels from an attack by fleeing forgotten heroes is enough to finally break the triad of sorcerers. The universe is safe. Meanwhile, in a satellite orbiting above Earth, a shadowy figure watches and waits. I'm glad that we have the synopsis because it gives me a chance to actually have some understanding of what the issue is about. Because <laughs> I was confused as heck when I tried to read it. Could you read it again? I didn't make any sense of any of that. Well, it's just a lot of stuff going on with the air artist. <laughs> okay. Get that looked at. Is your throat clear now? I, I feel my sinuses are clear after reading that. <laughs> what do you think? Like when you read it, did? Now you, you Scott, of the three of us, you're the most uh, well versed on Crisis. Uh-huh. Is, is this something you had kind of gone through in the past? This particular issue, or is this as 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 foreign to you as it is to us? 
No, as it turns out, Michael Bailey and I actually covered this uh, from the Crisis on Infinite Earths angle in the last 20 minutes of episode 89 of the uh, late lamented Tales of the Justice Society of America podcast. Uh, I went back and listened to that earlier to kind of refresh myself on, on what we had covered, and we really didn't talk very much at all about the specifics of the story so much as we talked about really, you know, the what what's relevant from the from the crisis on infinite earth's angle but we did i mean we mentioned a few things about it um i wouldn't be surprised you know knowing mike and i and kind of knowing the behind the scenes obviously of that show and everything i'm kind of wondering if we really did do a thorough read through of this issue at the time or if we kind of you know just breeze through it knowing that it didn't really have a hell of a lot to do with with the crisis or anything and 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 of course, we're just we concentrated strictly on the on the last four panels of the of the book for the main part. So I'm familiar with it. I know I've read it, but it, it doesn't it, it didn't stand out in my memory then, and it doesn't really stand out in my memory now. Um, I you know I'll, I'll be honest with you. I really don't have kind things to say about this at all. You know by the by some of the pedigree on this, I should love it. You know, I, I've said a million times on this show that I'm a sucker for the team of freaks, and you don't get much more team of freaks than these people, you know? Yeah, we should, we should hit on who the team of freaks are. So on the Forgotten Heroes side, it's Cave Carson, the Immortal Man, Congorilla, Rip Hunter, Animal Man, Rick Flag, and Dolphin. Right, and, and then on the forgotten villain side, it's Mister Poseidon, who's Lex Luthor with Mister Spock's ears. Right, the, the faceless hunter from Saturn, who's Chameleon Boy with no face. Right, the Atom Master, who's I don't know. He's, Cl he's Clark Kent with like a like yeah. a special helmet on. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Cow, who's who does not have an L with, on his name in the comic, who's Gandalf. Yep. Ultivac, who is uh, a cassette player. I am Ultivac. <laughs> <laughs> he looks like that kid's toy that was a robot with a cassette player for a face. Yeah, that's exactly what he looks like. Ultivac. And I think my mother used to have an Ultivac until it got gummed up with cat hair, I'm pretty sure. <laughs> was that Univac? Is this the same Enchantress that would be the, the, the one that looked more like a witch, like she had the witch hat and she used to fight Supergirl? Is, that the, is this the same chick, or is this I a different chick? I think it's supposed chick? to be. Oh, okay. But Either I, that, uh, or she tries to seduce Thor. Well, wait, sorry. No, Wrong. not that one. Wrong. Wrong. And see, at least two of these guys at the bottom here, the, the reintroducing, you've got Space Cabbie and Chris KL99. Now, I don't, I can't remember where, but I know KL I've read 99. stories from them before, that, and they were kind of cool. Nobody's particularly cool in this story, you know? It's just, I don't know. It, it it failed to connect. And, you know, the Forgotten Heroes, a couple of these guys are actually pretty cool. Cave Carson's pretty cool. Rip Hunter's, I always thought he was a really neat character. Uh, Animal Man, Rick Flagg, who would, isn't he the same guy that would lead the, uh, suicide, the squad. suicide Squad? Yeah. yeah. And then well, Dolphin. Are these all characters that were introduced in Showcase Comics? Um, hmm, that's a good question. That I'm not sure of, because I don't think Animal Man was, but I could be wrong. I could be wrong about that. 
Yeah, I'm 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 not positive on that. I mean, I guess we'd have to look them up, but I think it's poss it's possible that they're all showcase people. That, that is possible. Let's see, Cave Carson. I'm going to click on them one by one. Clave, Cave Carson first appeared. Well, I'll tell Clave, you, Clave Clave Clason. First appeared <laughs> Brave, Brave and the Bold 31, so he's not a showcase ah, there you go. creation. See, I don't think that. Um, what's his name? Animal Man, I don't think was a, uh, let me see, where is he? Yeah, Strange Adventures. Strange Adventures 177. Yeah. Congorilla? Is anybody from Showcase? Congorilla's from Action Comics. Hmm. I, I did not. I did not know, with the exception of the Enchantress. If this really is the same Enchantress, I didn't recognize any of the Forgotten Villains from this one. I don't know any of these guys. Whereas the Forgotten Heroes, most of them I, I have at least a passing familiarity with. Maybe not so much Immortal Man. Him I don't really remember. But like Cave Carson and what? the other. You don't ones remember Mister Poseidon? No. What's he from? He's uh he's Namor when he goes bald. <laughs> Okay. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't have much. My my biggest thing with this issue, my biggest problem with this issue, is that I end up feeling really, really bad for Marv Wolfman, because this may be a fantastic story, but I have always had a much bigger problem with a great story that has shitty art as opposed to a shitty story with great art. There's there's a lot of comics over the years that I've come to realize, and there's been a good number of them we've actually talked about here on the show, where at the end of the day, the story actually wasn't all that great, but the art was the thing. And some of those stories are considered classics, whereas there's probably a number, uh, probably a great number of comics over the years that have really good stories, but because the art just didn't do it, that they just never really got their due. Now I'm not saying this is one of those, but it could be. See, now but I, I look at this. Just... I'm gonna I'm gonna break in on you a little bit because I thought we were gonna okay. debate because I thought you were gonna say this was shitty art. Uh, it is. See, no, no. Let me let me finish and then see if you don't agree with me. What I was gonna comment before you started that is it looks to me like it's well drawn but poorly laid out. It's just lacking any kind of dy dynamic feel about it. Yep. But each individual picture looks fine. Like, I don't see any... any I don't see... I don't call it shitty art because I don't think there's any bad images in here. Well, that that may be a little... that I'll, I'll admit, that may be a little harsh. But here's the thing is that... You know, I, I've been reading a lot lately um, as the... Um, let me see, what would it be, 30th? The 30th anniversary of John Byrne's Man of Steel has come and gone fairly recently. And I've been reading a lot of, like, retrospectives about that, and a lot of opinions and stuff, a lot of opinions from folks that, frankly, weren't even alive when that happened. And what I've seen is a fair number of really harsh criticisms, like, you know, why did they ever do that in the first place, and, oh, it's not that good, and all that sort of thing. And... A lot of those articles seem to want to hold him up as some sort of villain or something. Like, it, you know, why did he ever do that? And it should never been done and blah, blah, blah. And, you know, I have held back for years on saying this. And I'm finally just going to say it. If you want 
an you know the uh, a bad guy to point to. You know, if you want to point the finger of blame at somebody for for what was done with Superman back in the '80s when they rebooted him, I'm gonna have you point your finger right here because this is this is why that was done. Because I look at this, and you're right. There's you know. On the surface of it, there's nothing wrong with the art. It's perfectly functional. But here you're talking about the greatest character in comics, and this art is boring. It lacks all dynamism. It lacks any sort of wow factor at all. It's just bland and flavorless. And that's not anything that Superman ever should be. I mean, art-wise, the only good thing of this entire issue is the cover. Now, I think the cover is fantastic. They should have got Eduardo Barreto to do the whole damn issue because the cover is great. I really like his Superman. And there was a time that I really liked Kurt Swan's Superman. But that is so far removed from where this is that it's, it's laughable. I mean, Swan by this point was just, I'm sorry to say, old and tired. And it shows... And then he's teamed up with Dave Hunt, who never had any sort of dynamism in his art whatsoever. Again, it's perfectly functional. It tells the story, but that's all it does. It doesn't wow me or inspire me or, or move me or anything. It just gets from A to B, and it's done, and it, it, and it does nothing. And I think that was the problem that Superman had during this time, is that compared to other things that were on the stands around this same time, he just looks like an old fuddy-duddy. You know what I mean? I mean, this right here, this art style, it, is, it looks decades older than what it actually is. This is 1985. What is this, 85? Yes. And look how damn old it looks. Yeah, because you had Teen Titans. Uh, Marv Wolfen was on new Teen Titans at, yeah. at, at, at this point. And so breaking all kinds of new bit. ground. I'm looking mm-hmm. at like the uh, the page where uh, what was I, no, 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 I'm not finding it. There was there was a page. There were a couple of pages that looked halfway decent in the layouts to me. I thought uh, the page when uh, the Enchantress and what's his name uh, Krakow are uh, putting this their spells on while Space Cabby's riding them. I think that's that's one of the most dynamic pages in the book, which is not necessarily setting the bar that high, but. Mm-hmm. Right. See what I'm talking about? Page 13 of the book? I don't think that's bad at all. Is that the one with... That's with where the they different destroy, shots? Destroy! Destroy! Yeah. yeah. I think if the whole book had been drawn with that same attitude, this would be a good book, as far as the artwork goes. I just think it's 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 very by the numbers otherwise. Well, I think I see what you're yeah. saying about... You know, because I've, I've... I remember Kurt Swan from before this and, and look at it like page eight um where although i mean that shot of them in the in the sphere going through space with superman flying is is pretty cool but when you look at the 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 next to last um panel with superman's face even though kurt swan drew that i think mike hunt mike yeah mike, <laughs> what did i say what did i say you said mike <laughs> So subliminal message that you did earlier, Dave. Dave Hunt. Whoops, sorry about that. <laughs> Dave Hunt. I, I like that. Are the lines too thick? Is he just hiding Swan's pencils, and Superman can't really come through? And that maybe that's 
that's the dislike you're having with that, the arts That almost guy. reminds me of the high forehead Superman that we had in the early 70s. Right. I don't know. He just doesn't. I don't think, I, I he think looks like Kurt Swan little... Superman, but he doesn't. He just doesn't look. He, I don't know. Are you talking page your, 10? Uh... Page 8. Page of 8. Of the art. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I like, I see the Kurt Swan Superman in there, but he's like hidden behind the inks. I don't know. I, I, you know, I, I'm, uh, you know, that may well be because I really am down on this. I, I think it's, I think it's drab. I think it's just I, really drab. And Superman shouldn't be drab. We're not disagreeing. It's just really a matter of degree. Because I agree with you. Right. I think it's it's laid out unimaginatively. I think it's lacking dyna dynamic posing and, and framework. Uh, but it's you know it's easy to it's not easy to follow because the story is just batshit crazy. <laughs> but, uh, but that's not the artwork's fault. That it's, I mean that's that's Wolfman's you know writing. Uh, I just think yeah, it could have been much more exciting the way it was drawn. And that's the bottom line. I, I do. I don't have nearly the venom for Kurt Swan that you do. Oh, see, that's the thing, though. Is uh, see, I get accused of that all the time, and it makes well, me only, nuts. And only because it's true. It's not true, though. I mean, I really don't. I do. No, I, I do have great respect Man. for the guy. I mean, he was he was the Superman artist when when I was a kid and and growing up and and getting hooked on Superman and everything. It's just. At some point, and I couldn't tell you exactly when it was, but just at some point, he just, you know, I'm talking art-wise. I'm not talking, you know, the man physically, but art-wise, he just got old and tired. And and I, 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 I dare even say lazy, because this, to me, is just, I mean, I think this is the textbook definition of phoning it in. It's just... There's, there's nothing original here. There's nothing that he hasn't drawn a thousand times. It's like, give me something new. Give, give me something dynamic, not something that, you know, that, that just doesn't look like your heart is in it at all. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And, I mean, he used to draw, draw that way. His, his older style, like in the 70s, I mean, the guy was doing some fantastic stuff. Of course, he was paired with a lot better inkers back then, too. And, again, I'm not trying to slag uh, Dave Hunt. It's just I don't think he's helping here I, I i think he's doing a very workman uh workman like inking job but he's not helping you know what i mean he's not moving the art forward and, and making it any more dynamic it just looks very posed and stiff and and very much just you know this was just a job kind of thing i mean in a lot of ways it's it's, it's like coloring book art if you know what i mean i just don't see it I don't know. I, I think I'm a lot more critical. I mean, if this was just just the Forgotten Heroes versus just the Forgotten Villains, I'd probably be a hell of a lot more forgiving of it. But this is a Superman title, you know? In in the in the mid-80s, by this point, this should be a hell of a lot more dynamic in, in, in everything that it is. You know, when you compare it with the other things that were on the stands at the time... And and the other artists that were the hot artists of the day, I think it's very easy to see why DC made the choices and the decisions that they made shortly after this to, you know, to reboot the character and and to get the the teams of of writers and artists in there that they did because the character 
as evidenced by books like this, just needed something. You know, he needed a real shot in the arm, uh, which he eventually got. Because this just isn't doing it. Every time Scott makes, every time Scott slams cuts one, the baby Superman cries. <laughs> See, I'm I'm not going to compare their actual final products, but in their own way, there's a similarity in my mind. This is probably not going to be a popular popular opinion. So if you don't like it, write to DC Comics Presents. <laughs> but in my own in my mind, there's a similarity in some ways between Sal Buscema and Kurt Swan. In that they are both very competent artists, or at least they were in their day. But either one of them, if paired with the wrong inker, would draw stuff that appeared to be pedestrian. Oh, yeah. They need, they need an inker. There are certain artists that are of such a high quality that they'll do artwork that all they need is somebody who's going to darken the lines for them. But there's other people who... You know, need somebody who's going to actually embellish their artwork, who's going to add a little bit of, you know, texture to it, if you will. And, I, and in my mind, letter. in my mind, Kurt <laughs> similar, similar in that respect to Sal Buscema. Because I know how many times we've talked about how when they they teamed uh, Klaus Jansen with Klaus. Kurt with uh, Sal Buscema, how it it raised his artwork to a whole nother level. And I'm thinking the same would be true for Kurt Swan. If you if you took this book. And you had Klaus ink it. I bet you it would be awesome. You know, as you say, that may end up being a very un unpopular uh, statement, but I'll back you a thousand percent because I I'll give you another example. I, I think Carmine Infantino falls into that realm as well mm. because there's an era of, of Infantino that I both love and hate the guy's art simultaneously. He was essentially doing his his epic run on The Flash at the same time that he was working on Marvel Star Wars. I love most everything he did with Marvel Star Wars, with the exception of a few issues that were done by a particular inker. But his Flash stuff, I never cottoned to. I, I never thought it looked dynamic or, or anything. And yeah. here we're talking about exactly the same artist, but I think the difference there is the inkers he was paired with. I would liken Carmen, Carmine Infantino to Steve Ditko. Again, not in the way their art looks. You're never going to mix one of them up with the Right. Other. But especially later in their careers, it appeared to me that the Inkers were afraid to really yeah. kind of go at it and, and put their own stamp on it at all. And they, all, all they would do is just kind of take the basic drawing and, and darken the lines and be done. And that's I not wonder what their that... art styles needed. I wonder if that might be what's going on right here with Swan, because I don't, like I say, I, 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 I have the worst feeling that I, I feel, you know, that I sound like I'm bashing Dave Hunt, and I'm not. It's not that he's not doing his job, is that he's not adding anything. You know what I mean? So well, I, I, I think like you're saying, when, I always like the term when they talk about inking when they would credit them as an embellisher, and I feel right. like that that is really their job. Their job is not to ink the drawing; their job is to embellish the drawing. And if they right. and this is a case where it appears he was it was inked and not embellished. Right. Exactly. Yeah. I remember as a kid, you know, when I was reading comics and I saw when they credited somebody as the embellisher. And I remember going to my dad and saying, "What what's an embellisher? What does that mean? Like what is that job?" And he was and he was saying, "Well, embellish would mean to make it better." And I said, "But, but what does that mean with a comic book? I don't understand." <laughs> <laughs> 
but now you know as an adult understanding that that's just that they were just substituting that for the word anchor it it provides a whole new role to me to that job it's not just taking the you know taking the pencil work and and making it cleaner it's taking the pencil work and making it better right and and you mentioned you know bill you mentioned vinnie coletta and he's been a a target of ours on many occasions but, <laughs> but but he didn't make the artwork better in fact he often made it worse by erasing things that he should have been mm-hmm. that he should have been inking did you guys get the book that i sent you yeah i did i did thank you for that i'm thinking we we need to i'm serious i, I know you guys probably thought it was a joke but i'm thinking we need to read that and and do an episode on that at some point i think i'd like mm-hmm. that a lot the book that I think Scott's I would, talking I about is a, is a Two Morrows book called Thin Black Line Perspectives on Vince Coletta. So if anybody cares to read that, we probably will be covering it on the show at some point. On our show, not Russell's. <laughs> I, I forget I was, that we're not doing our show here. <laughs> I was looking uh, through a history of uh, DC Comics Presents to see what other... Uh, artists were were working on the title around this time, and it it changed creative teams just about every issue uh, prior to this one. Now, the the issue just prior to this one is the same team because, of course, it was a two part story. But uh, yeah, DC Comics presents from from this particular time period. It uh, it changed just about every every issue to a completely different writer and uh, an artist pair and some of them are really interesting pairs as well hmm. well at, at this point it was probably more of a combination of either a tryout book or a you want to tell a quick story and you know forward your own with some sort of crossover go ahead like that kind of thing i wonder if they might also have been clearing some inventory stories too well, no. since this one has a, but since this one has a connection to Crisis, I, I wouldn't. Well, not case. not with this particular. Oh, come yeah, on, not that's, with this particular issue. There's no real. That's just tacked on. That's half a page tacked on. Yeah, they could have stuck this at the back of any book. And it's still a Marv Wolfman story, so I don't know. Mm. Right, right. I anyway, I guess I guess that's our uh, our episode <laughs> of DC Comics presents. Right. That's it? Darn, oh, that's the end. Yeah. yeah. Oh, well, we didn't, we didn't, oh, well, do we, should we, oh, I guess we don't rank it here, do we? Yeah, we do. Oh, do we do? Okay. Yeah. Well, okay, you so guys. Let's, let's rank it then. Uh, well, you had the longest synopsis, so you go first. Okay. Well. The, the longest synopsis that you let be read on the podcast. <laughs> the longest, the longest synopsis that wasn't banned. Another great unpublished work next to go next to my con volumes one through twenty-seven. And uh, thanks. I'll smile. Anyway, I like the cover a lot. I think it's really good. I I don't think the people look like they're posed the way they really would be if these were real people, <laughs> you know. But I still think it's kind of fun. Uh, I think each image is kind of cool. And I'm gonna say I think um, the Adam Master thinks he's like, like he's a Roman. He's like, you know, thumbs yeah. down for Superman. I'm not. I'm not quite at the A level, but I think I'm a B, solid B plus, almost an A, maybe even an A minus. The interior art. I mean, we talked about it that more than the, a lot more than the story. Uh, again, I think it's 
workmanlike. I think it's okay. I just think it could be so much better. So I'm going to say, and, and, and I'm putting most of it on you, Dave Hunt. Um, Is that Mike? Oh, sorry. <laughs> uh, I'm going to say, I'm going to say just a C. It's not horrible. There's nothing horrible about it. It's just it could have been so much better. So it, you know, C is exactly that. It's not horrible. It's readable. It's lookable. Whatever. The story is kind of batshit crazy. It's all over the place, but it's fun. It's taking these characters that you never really see, the forgotten villains and the forgotten heroes. I guess they have those names for those titles for a reason. Uh, so I'm going to say the story is overall worthwhile, and I'm going to say uh, just a solid B on the uh, story, and I'll give the book a B. Hmm. Um, I'll go next. Uh, the, so the cover, yeah, I like the cover. Uh, I think the Enchantress looks pretty good. <clears throat> um, yeah. <laughs> so uh, I think I'd give the cover. I'd give the cover a B as well. Um, for the interior art, uh, well, I guess I'm going to mix the art and, and, and the story here. All right, so the Faceless Hunter from Saturn. So do you think they were trying to create a villain and they're just like, they couldn't come up with a face, so they're like, aha, we'll make him faceless. Like yeah, they just so kinda... that's exactly what I think they did. <laughs> <laughs> I can't come up with an alien face. Well, why does he have to have a face? Well, how does he talk? And speaking of that, Later on page, ooh, where is it? It kind of made me chuckle on page seven of, of the art. Second panel in, you've got Superman standing in front of the Faceless Hunter. And where his head would be, it looks like the Faceless Hunter now has a mouth because his, his head is right at the bottom of his chin, his hair. That's like his little goatee. <laughs> yeah. Because I had to do a double take on, 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 you know, and he's got, like, he's got a goatee and he's got a little Superman bib on. He's getting ready to eat something. <laughs> it's, just, it's just a weird panel. And then right below that, I think uh, the Immortal Man is probably going to die of embarrassment from that outfit. Oof. Yeesh. Yellow pants. <laughs> was, was, he re was he reincarnated with that outfit? I, I don't know. Shirt. I don't want to be a pirate. <laughs> I don't want to be a pirate in yellow pants and a green. The shirt is almost indescribable. It looks like a tight green shirt with long green sleeves, but halfway up the arm, it suddenly changes to a big yellow poofy overcoat thing on the shirt. Something with a big weird <laughs> neck. I don't know, man. That's just you know, yeesh. Uh. Uh, so, anyway, back to the art. Uh, <laughs> I mean, it's it's there. It's a C. Uh, and the story, uh, yeah, I understood the last page. Uh, I mean, I kind of get the flow of the story, but it's just kind of like, eesh. Uh, I give the story a C-. minus. So, I'd say this book comes out to a Straight up C for me. All right. Well, I like the cover a lot. Um, as a matter of fact, it, it finally occurred to me, after all these years, I've been trying to figure out for a long time who Eduardo Barreto reminded me of, and it finally hit me looking at this cover, looking at Superman in particular. He reminds me of Mike Zeck, because look at Superman right there. Doesn't he kind of look like a Mike Zeck Captain America? 
I really yeah, yes, yeah, very much. The, that's that's yeah. a good call. I like that a lot. I think Superman looks really good. My my only issue, and it's a very minor one, but my only issue here is I wish that the emblem on Superman's chest was bigger, like it would be, you know, post crisis, and I think that would be even uh, even more dynamic an image. But I really like this image a lot. Although I agree the the body poses are, of the villains are a little bit strange. It's like they're dumping out invisible bottles of Coke on him or something like that. It's really strange. Uh, but I do like the cover. I'm going to say... Is, I think the Adam, is the Adam Master wearing a uh, parachute? Something? <laughs> yeah, I'm not sure what that is he's got there. <laughs> it's uh, it's like that It's like that control panel that Darth Vader wears on the front of it, except it has no buttons on it or something. He's got, he's got like uh, a reverse backpack or something. You know, he's yeah, there you go. There. He's, he's got his lunch in it. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I think I'll go a B plus on the cover because I really do like this cover a lot. I think uh, I think the art's really good, and uh, I wish I knew who inked it because I like the inking on it as well. Uh, the interior art, not so much. So I'm gonna be um, as generous as I can possibly be, and I'm gonna say a D minus because. F to me means I can't even follow it, and I can at least follow it, but that's all I, I've got to say kind about it. I think it is the worst kind of bland, and Superman should just never be bland. Uh, as far as the story goes, I would be tempted to rate it really, really low, because I thought the story, you know, with all apologies to, to Marv Wolfman, who I really do like, I thought the story was just batshit crazy, but... You know, at the very end of it, you do get Lila and the Anti-Monitor, so that brings it up major points right there. So I'm going to give it a B for batshit crazy. And uh, let me see, what's that average out to? Um, I guess probably like a C. C, Wait, C often, minus. How often is it that I'm the what? highest rated? <laughs> uh, I, not I, I too often. I usually feel like I'm the, I'm the down guy, usually. <laughs> Oh, also, there was also a mention of uh, Space Mountain at Disneyland, so I gave it points for that as well. So, there you go. There was all kinds of mentions of it. There was a Star Wars mention in this book. Yeah. Um, yeah. Oh, also, these lame-ass heroes do acknowledge Superman as the greatest uh, hero of all time, and I like that part, too. My, my biggest complaint with the book way back when Mike and I uh, reviewed it is still my biggest complaint today, which is right on the very first... I think it's the very first page. No, I'm sorry. It's on page two of the story. You've got Superman versus the, the faceless dude, the giant faceless dude. The faceless dude throws a rock at Superman. Superman flies up and zaps it with his heat vision and blows it into a whole bunch of chunks. One of the chunks falls and kills the immortal man. Now, this is just yeah, unforgivable... It, well, it's unforgivable carelessness on the part of Superman. Now, I've seen there. There's actually a story. If I if I looked hard enough, I could probably find it so you could read it. But there's a story where Superman, as Clark Kent, is playing softball with the WGBS news team, and he's in the outfield when there's something happens. I don't know, a plane's crashing or something. So he actually flies out of his clothes, goes and rescues the plane, and comes back and does this so fast that his clothes don't have time to hit the ground. I'm not kidding. 
<laughs> so if he's that fast, then why the hell can't he stop this debris from killing the Immortal Man? And I you know, know why? Because why? the Immortal Man's the only one on the team that can take it. <laughs> <laughs> and that's I just exactly think right. that's horrible on Superman's part that he allows this guy to die just because... Well, he's the one guy that can. I bet you the Immortal <laughs> no, but he, Man he dies really a wasn't because it was going to hit, what's her name, Dolphin. Right. Because Immortal Man jumped in the way. Meanwhile, Superman's st- standing there like, uh, you know, it, it's almost like he'd be stupid enough to stand there while, while they were blowing up Congress or something. Right. <laughs> right. Uh, oh, wait a minute, just... that happened. And Batman v Superman. <laughs> Anyways, oh, oh, don't even don't even start. <laughs> well, that's my, you you know that you know I know you never saw the movie, but that's my biggest criticism of that movie is it's oh it's, it's super dumb Superman. Yeah, I actually uh, rented um, Wonder Woman from Redbox the other night. Why? Right. What'd you it think? Was, it was actually uh, it was all right. I think it was pretty good. It wasn't yeah. great, but it was pretty good. Yeah. Watch uh, I don't. Me, I don't think. And, uh, I don't think you'd hate the whole, it, Scott. The whole family. The whole family. We all sit down and we watch the movie together, and it was Wonder Woman. I don't think you'd hate it. Or it was really Captain America in World War One. Oh, I'm sorry. Did I say that? <laughs> no, it did have a little bit of differences. Had women. It was. It wasn't as good as Captain America. I'm sorry. It was good. No. But it wasn't as good as Captain America. Anyway, this is not a. Uh, this is not a Wonder Woman podcast. This is not even back to the bins. Well, I figured that was DC Comics related. This has been DC Comics Presents. Starring Russell Bragg. Who is out on assignment. He's on assignment. (laughs) Russell's on assignment. We kicked him out. Phil, did you finish that that cake? Yeah, I had my cake and I ate it too. On assignment, is that French for on the can? I don't know. You're usually the one who's on assignment. assignment. So you tell me. (laughs) Well, in my case, yes. <laughs> anyway, thank you, Russell, for giving us the chance to uh, to to take the uh, driver's seat of your show for an episode. I enjoyed it. I hope you guys did, too. Mm-hmm. And I hope the people who listened, all three of them, enjoyed it as well. <laughs> no. Hey, you How guys should try this. Hey, I found this, uh, like, breath fr- stuff in the bathroom, too. Febrez? F-E-B-R-E-Z-Z-E? <sighs> Scott, mm. can you do me a favor? Yeah. On your way on your way home, could you drop Bill off at the ER? <laughs> no, hold on, hold on. He's he's about to go into a, a uh, chemical related coma soon. Hold on. Oh, that's delicious. Mm. Gee, your breath say, smells terrific. <laughs> say goodbye, Bill. Bye, Bill. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening to our show, and we hope you'll continue to join us each and every week for more good old-fashioned comic book back-issue awesomeness. You can contact Back to the Bins to leave feedback, comments, questions, suggestions, and criticisms via email at backtothebins at gmail.com or by joining the Back to the Bins group on Facebook. Back to the Bins is a proud affiliate of the Two True Freaks Internet Radio Network, which you may find at www.twotruefreaks.com. Two True Freaks is a registered trademark of Demanzo Corps of Milan, Italy. All rights reserved. Each and every month, the Two True Freaks Network produces dozens of new and exciting episodes which regularly reach tens of thousands of loyal listeners worldwide. 
Sponsorship and or advertising opportunities are available. Inquiries may be made via email to twotruefreaks at gmail.com. Please take a moment to stop by the twotruefreaks.com site and check out their many other fine podcasts, won't you? Thanks, and we'll see you next week. Darn, that's the end.